President Biden says it's not reckless spending. We're changing people's lives. Hillary Clinton tells the Democrats, you got to stop about that transgender stuff. Ibram X. Kennedy says the move to reform or ban assault weapons is the same as the fight to end slavery. And Jamie Harrison, the head of the Democratic Party of the United States of America, didn't vote in his own home state's primary. That's a lot to go over. We'll hit it all on this edition of the fastest growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina, the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. I am Justin Hall. Alongside me, welcome back from the north, Mitch <laughs> yeah, Cross is here. Wait, you actually survived Chicago. Behind enemy lines. I felt like I was behind enemy lines the entire <laughs> yeah. time I was there. Speaking was of banning assault <laughs> weapons, uh, Mitch is back from Chicago and Dave Wilson is to my far left now, not well, ideologically. Yeah, that, that's kind of... Not ideologically, just I'm over to the I'm side. I'm on the right side of your screen. That's today. right. There that is go. true. We start with... This is a little bit of old hat, but I want to circle back to it. You're welcome, Jen. Uh, I wanted to circle back to this because we didn't talk about it last week amidst, you know, elections and things of that sort happening here in the state. Joe Biden spoke to the AFL-CIO unions, and he had this one pull-away quote now, I have the whole transcript in front of me, and ooh, it is a doozy. Uh, but this is the one clip we're going to show you. This is the moment where he got really, really, really angry and impassioned. And, and this is what he had to say. I don't want to hear any more of these lies about reckless spending. We're changing people's lives. Well, I don't know about you, but my life has sure changed in the last, oh, two years. Yeah. My life has changed a lot in the last few months because when I actually go, so this is the beauty of, of you know, life with teenagers is, mm-hmm. hey, dad, can I have some gas money? Yeah. And that used to be like, okay, I can give, you, I can give 20, you 10 bucks 20. and 20. Here's, here's 40 bucks. Yeah. 20 to fill you up. $100 now to fill up one of my kids' cars, to fill up mine on an empty tank, $82 this past weekend. That's changing my life, and guess what? It's changing everybody else's lives, too. To give our family a little extended room on our trip to Chicago and back, we decided we'd drive a 15-passenger van, and uh, that was done. Uh, we made that decision several months ago, and boy, were we rethinking that. Every time, I'm not kidding you, especially when you get into $6 territory for a gallon of gas in Chicago and those areas up in the northern uh, parts of the Northwest, Midwest, um, it's amazing to me how much our lives have changed. I mean, for a carton of eggs or a gallon of milk or any of those things, uh, he's changing lives, that's for sure. Well, and it's not his fault. I think both of you just need to settle down, okay? Because um, <laughs> yeah. Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine. And because of that, that's where we get all of our oil, okay? And but, that's why the former president was really tight with Ukraine. And so when Putin invades Ukraine... Uh, things happen, and the president can't do a whole lot. Now, again, the position of the White House is we want to stop drilling, but now we're telling the oil companies that you need to be, and I'm quoting the current press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, that the oil companies need to be more patriotic and lower the gas prices. You go to a corporation and tell them to lower prices in order to be patriotic. Maybe they should lower the tax rate on those oil companies. Uh, again, they're paying well, nearly, but, but the yeah. president did say last week that he was going to have to start taking action to possibly... Uh, are we talking about federalizing now private companies? Careful. Because Hell. we're getting in... They're, they're, they're not drifting anymore into this territory they're driving full steam Absolutely. into yeah. the territory of actually talking about federal government takeover or, or mandates, yet again, 
-hmm. when when the reality is it was amazing when we had a level of energy independence yeah when we were actually drilling for oil two years ago yeah yeah. Where we were actually having gas prices that were below two dollars mm-hmm. a gallon. Mm-hmm. It was a good time. I was happy. I was happy to see four oh five a gallon. Right. I went, wow, we're almost down below four dollars. And I sit here and good think condition. to myself, I, I I go back to the election of twenty twenty all of a sudden yeah. and go, what happened? Because you know that was closer to what it was to fill up my well, tank now instead of eighty two, eighty two. Well, I want to mention this too because inflation is going to be the driving factor in this in this midterm election. I don't think there's any question about Absolutely. that. So the White House is trying to get out in front of this. I'm reading from the transcript. You can find this at whitehouse.gov, and I encourage you. Just to, go to, read to, it. To re, to read Just this try to read lots it. Lots of yes. brackets. Try, lots of brackets. Lots of mistakes. Lots of cross outs. And I'm qu- this is the president straight from the mouth of of the president. Uh, when he was upright and not on a bike. Do you remember when our economy when our economy was like? What it looked like before we took office? 3,000 Americans were dying every day from COVID. 20 million Americans had lost their jobs under the last guy. In fact, so many Americans lost their jobs that my predecessor became just the second president in history to leave office with fewer jobs in America than when he took office. But you stepped up. The other one, by the way, was Herbert Hoover. And just remember, remember those long lines of cars stretching miles back waiting for a box of food to put in the back of their trunk? It wasn't just poor folks. It was working class folks. It was middle class folks. A lot of pretty nice cars in those lines. And while it was going on, America created more more than more billionaires than the current during that crisis in 2020 than any year in history. Talk about a contrast. Ordinary people waiting in line for a box of food and policies in the past created more billionaires than ever in American history. Folks, it's hard to believe, but it's true. That's what we were facing. This is a president who literally had a vaccine ready to go for COVID. I don't I don't care whether you're pro or anti-vaccine. I don't care. He had a vaccine ready to go. Okay? The economy that was put into an artificial coma by his party is on the rebound. And instead of just doing what was already being done, this man and um, Kamala, depending on your nickname for, they just jump in front of the parade and smile and wave and take credit for it. And in doing so, they then give more, they pour more money into the economy, which infuriates the economy, inflames it, and now we're seeing, we're creeping toward an absolute recession, but hey, it's all good because he's working to lower the deficit. So what I see from President Biden continually is an attempt to obfuscate or to pass the buck. And since he brought up Herbert Hoover and correlated Because <laughs> uh, he was Trump, alive with Herbert Hoover. Since he brought up Herbert Hoover and Donald Trump and correlated the two, I'll bring up Harry S. Truman, who did something unprecedented. He dropped, He made the decision to drop two atomic bombs on Je- Japan to end World War II. Mm-hmm. And what did Harry S. Truman say? He said the buck stops here. He didn't obfuscate. He didn't pass the buck. He said, you know what? If anybody will be held accountable for what's going on in my country right now, I am the leader and the buck stops here. But that would, be called, that would be called accepting responsibility. Yeah, Nor is, and, and the other side of it is, it, and I find this part, and it's infuriating sometimes for me because you can be in conversation, in in the you can listen to conversations in the checkout line yeah. and begin to realize the average person doesn't even grasp the big picture here. Yeah. Because why were the numbers the way that they were? It's interesting because during the days of President Trump. 
African-American unemployment was at its lowest mm-hmm. in history. And yet we want to talk about all the job losses. But at the same time, we're sitting there going, y'all, let's just be honest here for a moment. We were going through a pandemic where nobody knew exactly what to do. Businesses were shutting down because we were told we have to shut down in order to stay alive. And yet in South Carolina, where we don't shut everything down, our economy is booming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're ahead of the curve. And this is just indicative of the types of attitudes that I hate hearing the hearing the the president's take on this because it's just like seriously. Yeah. Well, they're doing a lot more. Uh, they're they're wanting to get several things passed. They've already gotten the Biden infrastructure plan passed. They want to continue with this um, American Rescue Plan stuff. They they want to now chop it up and get it done. Try to get it done before the midterms. Good luck. Uh, we'll leave you with this. This is the last quote on this piece uh, from the president. I'm pulling this quote. You guys haven't heard this yet. We didn't talk about this in show prep. Quote, And the people we come from, like when the president, President Obama, used to always give me the good assignments. Well, I remember one day I walked in, not a joke. He said, Joe, fix Detroit. I said, okay, no problem. No, you think I'm kidding. You think I'm kidding. Well, Joe, you failed. Yeah. If your job was to fix Detroit, you failed. Secondly, this good old boy routine, this, oh, I'm one of the guys, man. You've been in Washington for 50 years, and you're still complaining about the problems that haven't been fixed, and you've been in Washington for 50 years. I'm sorry. It appears to be there's a common denominator, and this good old guy routine is not going to work. You're, you being good old affable Grandpa Joe isn't going to work for your party because— 40 or 50 well-known Democrats have already signed on to the fact that you shouldn't be the nominee in 2024. So again, they're trying to get out in front of this by saying they're changing people's lives. And I think we all understand they're changing them for the worse. Speaking of people who don't do a good job at their job, um, Hillary Clinton made news this weekend. Um, She said this according to Fox News, because I don't really ever really try to listen to what she says, uh, former presidential candidate twice presidential candidate Hillary Clinton, who, as by the way, last time I checked, still hasn't been president yet, said that Democrats should be focused on winning elections and suggested that they should not treat the transgender debate as a priority. Here's her quote. Democrats seem to be going out of their way to lose elections by elevating activist causes. Uh, Sorry, we are standing on the precipice of losing our democracy, she says, and everything that everybody else cares about then goes out the window. Look, the most important thing is to win the next election. The alternative is so frightening that whatever does not help you win should not be a priority. She might have failed twice, but she's got a point. Democrats really are focused on the things that Americans don't care about. While Americans are struggling to put gas in their car or put food in their fridge, you've got the president and the vice president and the secretary of transportation at a pride event in the White House Mm -hmm. saying that they're going to unleash the full force of the federal government to make sure that you capitulate to their warped views on human sexuality. Instead, they should be focusing on these things. That's where Hillary has a point. Now, Dave, Mitch, the point I disagree with her on is that we're on the precipice of losing our democracy. I am so tired that is of being told t- every I week. I hope we lose our democracy because we don't live in one. Well, it's interesting. and, and <laughs> we, we actually live in a republic. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, But I, I think that this is their – every single Democrat is running on this idea of we're – 
we're losing our democracy. It's, and it's, it's, politics. it's interesting because our, our colleague, Nicole Thies, up in Delaware, mm-hmm. posted this up on Facebook today, and we'll show it up here on the screen. It, uh, it was a, a poster that came up. This is the USA. There is no one coming to our rescue if things go sideways. No one will be resupplying us. No one will airdrop food, ammunition, medicine. There is no place to escape to for freedom. This is it. And reality is, as long as you want to sit here and continue to argue the fact that we're killing democracy, when the reality is you're just not getting your way, really starts to get under my skin because reality is, all of these things that we're doing for other countries, I'm sitting there and asking the question, why do you want to undercut a, a confidence in America constantly? But she makes the point, Justin, it is all about winning the next election. election. It's, it's not about what's best for democracy. It's not best for what's best for the Republic, what's best for America. It's about winning the election. And right now, the Democrats know full well they're not because, I don't know, some of them can't even show up to vote. Yes, they can. One final thing for this before we get to that. Here's a quote for you, Mitch. I like this one. Look, I'm all about having vigorous debate. I think it's good, and it gives people a chance to be a part of the process, she added. But at the end of the day, it means nothing if we don't have a Congress that will get things done and we don't have a White House, it will mean nothing if we don't have a White House that we can count on to be sane and sober and stable and productive. Y'all, if that is not an indictment on the current White House from a major, major player in the Democratic Party, I don't know what is. It's like the, the idea of your slip is showing. You're actually saying things that relate to you. And you're identifying through your comments in objection to another person. Yep. And that's exactly what she's doing there. She's saying, hey, these things can't be. Wait, they are. But they can't be. Right. So it, it's a very dangerous time, and it's a slippery slope. And this whole idea of Joe Biden being able to play this all-shucks political game, like, oh, everything's just going to be fine because I'm the grandpa, I'm the empath in chief, all that kind of stuff. It's it's too late for that. That was campaign trail stuff. Now yeah. it's time to actually govern. And we talk about this in, their, in our office often. There's a difference between running for office and actually governing. And mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm afraid that the Biden administration, including the commander in chief of our nation, isn't, wasn't, nor possibly ever will be able to be ready to govern. And what it takes to govern is true, genuine leadership, not just all oh, shucks, everything's going to be fine. I'll send somebody out to say something really nice and flowery or have somebody scare people into voting yeah. for me. No. You've got well, to be able this, to govern. This is not an Aaron Sorkin script That's exactly for the West it. Wing. This is no. not, hey, we'll handle this in the cliffhanger mm-hmm. for season four. And when we That's get to right. season five, all of a sudden we've magically fixed things during the offseason. And now we're in a completely different storyline. It doesn't work that way because you've got to do the day-to-day-to-day work right. that has to be done. We are seeing politics run in a sprint right now when the reality is governing is the marathon. It is. it is the process of going through, and it is a law. You ask members of our state legislature, okay? Prime example, we've had plenty of conversations with them where they will tell you, I'm not working on my business because I'm having to be here governing, yeah. okay? Sometimes you'll hear that as a complaint. Sometimes that we're here so much, and, and, you know, it, and I had one who was a business owner who said, you know, this being here really does impact my business because I'm not at home doing the business. I'm here doing the people's work, which I want to be. Mm -hmm. But he realized 
It is a day-to-day type of ongoing work that has to be done. And I think sometimes this White House especially, and I think the Democratic Party is beginning to, as you said a moment ago, beginning to show the undertones that it has to say, hey, listen, we're not really taking this seriously, right? but we're going to have to act like we are. Right. Well, the other, the other thing to think about here as well is that, as you pointed out, governance is a slow, drawn-out process. It takes time, and we want that. You want that. If you're watching or listening right now, you want governance to take time. That's when the best ideas are hashed out and compromise. Oh, careful, a bad word in today's, but compromise happens, and that's a good thing, and we want deadlock. We want those kinds of things that slow down the process, and for those of you that are watching right now and say, well, we didn't get, we got here overnight. No, we didn't. We did not Mm -hmm. get to this semi-socialist, for some of it, socialist state overnight. No, it didn't happen like that. It took generations. Yep. And it's going to take generations. I, I, just being very upfront, and some might say this is a cop-out, it's going to take generations for us to get back to yep. whatever the quasi-American dream is, whatever that looks like in 10, I mean, 15, I mean, if you years. want to get back to the 1790 version of the government where there is no sort of deep state, you know, this authoritarian-type administrative state pre-Woodrow right. Wilson, I don't think you're getting there. The point that Mrs. Clinton was making... It's all about power. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's always been about power. And that's both sides of the coin. That's that's everybody who runs for political office. At the end of the day, you want the power. I mean, that's just kind of how things go. So she says that in order to get the power and to keep the power, we need to shut up about the transgenderism stuff. My version of what she said. Well, but it's an interesting take now because I think what you're seeing is the moderate wing of the Democratic Party yeah. saying, we're going to have to get a little bit more back to the center. Yep. We're going to have <laughs> to go back I, to old school Democrat. It's, it's old school Democrat because guess what? Inflation is on the rise. Mm-hmm. We, we are seeing businesses that are struggling to find workers. We've got the threat of recession. We've got the precipice of a bear market. And it's interesting how they're, they're trying to rework some numbers now to, to not show that we're hitting a, a downturn in the economy. Well, again, recessions take two quarters to show up. So you can be right. in the midst of one and not sure. Right. And the number's not reflecting and, it. And that becomes a place where I think the Democrats are having to create their counter-talking points right now because I think they recognize that they're going to take massive losses in 22. Yeah. I think the president's going to have quite a challenge in 24. I agree. And I think any Republican... Whether it's, and, and there's a list. I was at a dinner the other night where we had to go around the table. 24 people, 26 people in the room had to go around the table and say, a person who could be mm-hmm. the nominee on the Republican side in 2024. And you could not repeat a name. And we had 24 wow. different names come up. Wow. All of whom could turn around and probably defeat the sitting president mm-hmm. simply because the policies and, and the actions are not matching up. Well, that's why he's underwater in terms of in terms of approval numbers. He's right around 37, 38%, which is terrible. And not only that, you have a majority of Americans who say the morality in, in, the, in the nation is lower than it's ever been. There's no mm-hmm. confidence in the morality. There's no confidence in the government. And so you're at a point now where it seems untenable right. to keep the House and the Senate and to keep the White House in 2024. But we move on. I, I, quickly, before we get to some local stuff, I, I want to discuss what happened on... How many... I don't know, do you watch 
CBS on Sunday mornings now? I don't know if personally I'm at church on yeah. Sunday morning. I was about to say. And I never I, know, I, I never really watch the replays. Is hardball with Chris Matthews still on? <laughs> no, it is not. Wait, wait. Tim Russert is no longer with us. No, so he's not. I mean yeah. at that point at in that time point, I was just like I'm done. Yeah, yeah. Meet the press is a lot Chuck different Todd. now. Chuck yeah. Todd. Uh, but on CBS's Face the Nation, um, they brought on their racial justice contributor. Wait, wait, wait. They have a racial justice contributor. They brought on their racial... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to block that out. They brought on their <laughs> racial justice contributor, Ibram X. Kendi. But haven't we talked about this guy before? We have. And, and this, is a, books. this is a segment... They're not very good. Um, in a segment... I actually read a book called Reasons to Vote Democrat. It had nothing in it, and it was better. In a segment commemorating Juneteenth, Ibram X. Kennedy said that freedom today, freedom today, means liberation from poverty and guns. I Wait, guys, not done yet. I'm actually teaching her, her being his young daughter, hey, good, be, be a father figure. He's teaching his she's, own. She's a her. Set, yeah. Hey, she's okay. probably decided okay. Okay. that throughout the nation's history, there's been two perspectives on freedom. Two fights for freedom, Kendi said. Enslaved people were fighting for freedom from slavery. I can, I can jive with that. And enslavers were fighting for the freedom to enslave. Now, is he talking about the Revolutionary War? Because if that's the case, Ibram... I have a history book from my third grade history class that I can loan you. It was written by people that you'd probably agree with ideologically, and that's not what the war was fought over. In many ways, that sort of contrast still exists today. He continued. They let him keep talking. There are people who are fighting for freedom from assault rifles, freedom from poverty, freedom from exploitation, and there are others who are fighting for freedom to exploit, freedom to have guns, freedom to maintain inequality. See, here's why he's a doctor, because he says really cool sentences. You see what he did there is he said that, that these people are fighting to be free from that, but these people are fighting for freedom to do those things, naturally pitting one against the other. This guy's one of the authors of the new CRT 1619 Project Wing. He he wrote the book How to Be an Anti-Racist because it's not enough just to not be a racist. You have to be anti-racist. Anti-racist. Don't ask him what racism looks like because he'll tell you racism is racist policies for racist goals. And anti-racist policies are anti-racist policies or anti-racist goals. Again, don't use the word, the definition. My point, guys, is we bring this up because obviously the, the Juneteenth celebrations trumped Father's Day over the weekend. Um, this idea that we're fighting for freedom from guns, I don't believe Ibram X. Kendi's philosophy is widely held in the United States. I would probably peg it at around 20% at most of the nation agree with this man. Um, but are Americans fighting for freedom from guns? Is there some, is there some big bad gun out there that has people in chains? I'm confused. You know, this is the classic pitting of two, this is class warfare. And that's all this is. And we can dress it up and we can call it critical theory or we class warfare in Hillary Clinton's statements, in, uh, President Biden's statements, in Kendi's statements, class warfare. It all goes back to one of these things is not like the others. And we are always afraid of the things that aren't like us. 
and we have to get over that, and we have to understand that certainly things just aren't, we have to become comfortable with that. What I get frustrated with is this idea of rules for thee and not for me. I will guarantee you that, what news station did you say is paying? That's CBS. That's CBS. CBS. Don't trust those CBS contributors. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Dave's spent a lot of time over the years with a local CBS affiliate, and he's done a great job. As we talked about on the podcast last week. so much. Uh, (laughs) I'll guarantee you he's being paid a handsome salary. I'll guarantee it. And whoever else he works for, his agent is probably demanding, his manager is demanding a handsome salary. And I'll guarantee you that there are certain events and certain locations that he has security, not just any security, armed Armed security. security. And so So these are rules for you, but not for me. Right. And that's concerning to me because it's a glaring double standard. I mean, we've seen this from the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. We've seen this from members of Congress. We've seen it from local officials. Hello, wake up. These are simply... I I will go back to this. You weren't with us walking over to the studio today. Walking over to the studio today, two black Suburbans drive past. I thought it was the governor. Yeah, I thought it was the governor at first, too. But no, it was... Representative Jim Clyburn mm-hmm. and his taxpayer-supported Capitol Police entourage. security entourage with him. I can guarantee you, because he has armed security mm-hmm. provided, because he is the number three person, and, and I will give deference and respect as the majority whip to Representative Jim Clyburn. There are places where, you know what, you need to have the security. If, if, it, had we, been, if, if it had been for that armed security, Steve Scalise, the then majority... He, uh, he was, the, uh, he the, was house, the whip. Right. The house whip would not be alive today because of a crazy gunman. Right. If, not, and, if, not, for, if not for armed security and police, who knows what happens to Brett Kavanaugh a couple weeks ago. Right. And so we have a situation right now where it goes back to we need to be in power, we need to be in power, we need to be in power, mm-hmm. which is exactly what... Hillary Clinton said, which is everybody in politics recognizes that this is the argument that has to be made because we can't get what we need to make us what we want ourselves to be if we don't have power. That's right. And so welcome to kindergarten. Welcome to life with children because that's after time is if you're a parent, you understand you have the arguments with your kids where it's just like, (laughs) no, I'm going to do it this way. And, And you realize, eh. There's, there's authority. You're right. Yeah. There's authority for a reason. and But I think the thing that gets me is they are at the place right now where they want to talk about the how this is a threat to democracy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's let's talk about then really quick, and this is just your history lesson because Mitch is back and I get to do history lessons now. Yeah. You know, government lesson. Democracy is based upon a, a the marketplace of ideas being able to work ideas out mm-hmm. not pitting people against each other which is exactly the strategy that we're looking at here that now some racist, people may turn around and say well that's exactly what you're doing you're pitting people against each no we're simply drawing out the fact that you've got folks like Ibram Max Kendi who are turning around and saying this is an assault on uh, a, a, we need freedom from the liberation we need freedom, the liberation from poverty, and from guns. And exploitation. Right. Whatever that means. And, you know, I don't want... We, we have had conversations about we don't want people's lives to be exploited. Of course not. That's when not. you talk about human trafficking, yeah. when you talk about people who have been succumbed to the, the simple idea that uh, a woman's right to choose mm-hmm. overrides 
a person's right to live. Mm-hmm. Okay, those topics aside, I think we go back to the whole concept here is if we can split people from each other, divide and conquer, yep. this is the epitome of Sun Tzu's art of war. That's exactly it. How can I divide a group of people who are together so that I can then, in that in that split, put myself into place and put myself into power? And that's, who that's always really wins? It's not the people. It's the divider. Yeah. Right. It's the one who divides well, and drives the wedge. Well, I think that's I think that's a great point, Dave. Although it just sounded a bit um, racist and anti democratic. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of democracy, I am a fifty year old white guy. I'm there just it saying. Is. Speaking of democracy. We had democracy in action last Tuesday when South Carolina voters went to the polls. And as we discussed on the podcast, Dave and I did, while Mitch was gallivanting and bringing losses to end a Braves win streak. Um, did you seriously we had do a, that? We had a discussion yeah. about... Wait, wait. Yeah, he did. I'm yeah. sorry. He was there. Jump aside. He, you, okay, you were, in, you were in enemy territory. Yes. You did see plenty of things when you were in the greater Chicago area. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you have no holes. Yeah. Did you see you. Lori Lightfoot? No, but she saw me. That's probably true. Democracy. Democracy. Democracy in action. Democracy are yes. everywhere. Democracy in action last week when <laughs> South Carolina voters went to the polls. Right. We discussed on the podcast that five out of six registered voters in South Carolina did not vote. We did. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, spout- even, even, but you weren't here. You, you weren't here, but you voted early. Did you right? vote? I voted in person early. In Richland County. All right. Wait, so wait, wait, wait. You you live in Richland County. I live in Richland County, and we have early voting laws. Uh, yes, that allow you ten days to, to go to the polls, ten days before an election. And you pushed and, the button. And, and you showed up. And I you showed voted. up. My wife showed up, and our three boys showed up in Richland County. And our three so boys it, didn't vote. Well, they, they may have pressed the button. They press 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 Okay, yeah. that's, that's a great. It's a civic it's, lesson. It's fun. It's good. My good my sixteen year old. Pressed a button or two, you know? Yeah, 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 it's fine. All right, so. It can happen. But you showed. It can happen. In Richland County. In Richland County. All right. Okay. Here, here. And I know know what you're thinking. We we know how GOP, you know, Chair Drew McKissick voted. And I'm sure uh, the head of the national GOP, Rona McDaniel, will will vote at some point in her primary, wherever Mm -hmm. she's from. I guess it's Utah. Here is how the head of the Democratic National Committee, we know him as Jamie Harrison. You might remember him from a gas pump near you. He <laughs> Wait, I tells did that us, too, yes. He tells us who he voted for in the South Carolina primaries. Yeah, we got yep. South Carolina primary today. So uh, who are you? So how does the DNC in that case like that? Because Mia McLeod is... We stay the hell out of it until this, the the primary the voters have made their choices, and then we work with uh, who they choose. Who oh, you voted? Did you vote in South Carolina early? Well, South Carolina is uh, uh, Karen. This is the one thing I was supposed to get back home to South Carolina um, uh, today to vote. Wait, hold on. The DNC did not. Yeah. The DNC head of the DNC did not vote in his own state today. Well, well it's because I couldn't. You because could have voted early. You I don't know what's gonna happen. See, that's what that's how this happens, y'all. When when 20, 30 million people sit home is because they think they're gonna be able to vote. And there's all of this early voting. There's early voting. There was early voting in South I Carolina, Jamie Harrison. I love the- so the head of the DNC didn't vote. 
Because he uh, couldn't. Because he couldn't. Wait, I, doesn't he live in Richland County? Yeah. Isn't that his residence? He's a resident of, of Richland, Richland County. County. But don't aren't you a resident of Richland County? I am. Can't did you, you vote early? I did. Can't you still mail in an absentee ballot ahead of you time? Can. You can. I heard absentee ballots and were still uh, still available. You could request one. And I'll say this. I drove to Chicago. He mentioned a plane. I can't just jump on a plane. I can't just jump. Of course you can. You're the chairman of the Democratic National you, Committee. You you became the head of the Democratic National Committee after losing to Lindsey Graham by a billion. Of course you can get on a plane and so, come to South Carolina. So I, I don't know if he's making a point there. I don't know if he's saying, you know, this racist election law that was passed by the South Carolina, you know, state. you know That, my, that my state party was in favor of. Sure. I don't know if that's what he's saying. And by the way, yeah, you're right. It was unanimous. Um, bipartisan. I don't know if that's what he's saying, but once again, I hate to keep bringing this up because it sounds like I'm beating a drum. He's passing the buck. It's somebody else's fault. I you can't, can't say I couldn't vote. No, that's no. Impossible. You can say I didn't, didn't vote. vote. Correct. Notice. I should have voted. I should have done something because I had every opportunity yeah. for the two weeks. Before the election. We don't have voting day anymore. We have voting season. We do because you have, okay, so the the prime, the prime the election law allows this. You can vote through the Friday yes. before Four, an election. Days. So there's 10 days of voting. It ends on Friday at 5. You have the weekend, Monday, and then Tuesday is election day. Right. You had all of those days. That was basically the two weeks prior to an election to somehow get on a plane, in a car, on a train, and get to South Carolina and vote when you're talking about this. But, you know, the the woman who was hosting this is right. When 20 to 30 million Americans don't show up to vote, you've got to ask the question, why? This goes back to five out of six of you in our community across the state of South Carolina, chose not to show up on election day. If you don't like what's going on, honestly, I hate to say this, stop griping. Yeah. Because you have a responsibility to show up. Now, if you're listening to the 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 fastest growing conservative podcast in South Carolina, you're probably one of those people yeah. who showed up to vote because you care about the issues. But how many times do you know somebody who is sitting in down the road from you at church or sitting across from you at work or heck could be sitting across from you at the table at home mm -hmm. who doesn't show up to vote? Mm -hmm. And in that particular case, honestly, I hate to say it like this, don't gripe to me yep. about what's going on with government when well, you don't have time to show up. Well, and, and the simple fact is the head of the Democratic Party didn't even bother to show up, the National Democratic Party. Um, when he gets the question, notice he has a moment of, do I say this or do I not? <laughs> Did you hear that? Can we, so, play, can we play that last so South that part Carolina, again? So South Carolina, I got to pull it back up now. You got to give me a second. But we had the situation where he, he kind of waffles a little bit before he decides, do I want to tell the truth? Do I not want them to know? What should I do? And to me, that's just an example. And, and I hate to, you know, I'm just going to call it like it is. That's an example of laziness. It is. I, I, could, I could apply for a mail-in ballot. Even if I'm in D.C., I could I could apply for a mail-in ballot. It could have been mailed. My, the first time I ever voted was in 04. Yeah, I'm young. I get it. In 04, I voted in the presidential primary. I was away in Virginia at college. You know how I voted? 
they sent me at the school I went to a mail-in ballot. And, you know, they sent one to my roommate from Vermont. I was living in Georgia at the time. Georgia sent me one. Vermont sent him one. We voted together at the desks in our dorm room, and then we mailed them out. And the postage was paid for. I didn't have to put postage on it. It was free here's, to vote. Here's, here's Jamie it's Harrison. Laziness. Here's Jamie Harrison one more time. You voted. Did you vote in South Carolina early? Well, South Carolina is, uh, uh, Karen, this is the one thing. I was supposed to get back home to South Carolina um, uh, today to vote. Wait, hold on. The DNC did not, the DNC, head of the DNC did not vote in his own state today? Well, well it's because I couldn't. You could have voted early. You I don't know what's going to happen. See, that's no, what, that's how this happens, y'all. When, when 20, 30 million people sit home, it's because they think they're going to be able to vote. And there's all this early voting. There's early voting. There was early voting in South I Carolina, love, Jamie Harrison. I love the- there was early voting in South Carolina, Jamie Harrison. She's right. I think she was stunned. The comments under this are, are, are well, they're just fantastic. But, um, wow. The simple fact is, that the head of the Democratic National Committee didn't vote in his own home state's primary. But wait, this is how you, this is, this is the epitome of losing democracy. We lose democracy when people don't show up. And when the, when the head of the Democratic National Committee does not show up for an election, that's a more damning statement about the future of democracy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is, yes. Than than anything else that goes on because the you can you can you can talk about January six, you can talk about what's gonna happen, you know, after all of what goes on with the Dobbs decision and, and everybody's gonna be it's a threat to democracy. It's, the biggest threat to democracy is that right there. The biggest threat to democracy was the was how clearly Jamie Harrison demonstrated to the American population that it doesn't matter if you do or do not show up. That is the biggest threat to democracy. So don't talk about this other th- this other stuff when yeah. you can't show up for the one thing that is your job. I mean, it, this is the epitome of you had one job. Come on, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. Real quick, before this, we get to the local. We, okay, like, we're going to start a new segment called come Political. On, man. Come on, man. Before we get. Before, this will be it. Before we get to runoffs in South Carolina that are coming up very soon, I just want to mention this. We talked about it. Early voting, that voting day has become voting season. We're right around 75 days until college football season. Praise everything. Uh, But 1.2 million ballots have been counted in Los Angeles County. Mm -hmm. And officials say, that this is from the LA Times, that 80% of the ballots counted in Los Angeles County were either mailed in or dropped off at the voting center or the drop boxes days ahead of their primary that concluded on June 7th, a week before South Carolina's. Here's here's the point I'll make to you. We're seeing a change in the way we do elections. Yeah. How can, You're going to notice a change into how people campaign. People are not going to campaign running up to election day. You've got to campaign running up to the early voting period because any debates that happen in between... Looking at you, looking at you, South Carolina Democratic Party. Um, Any debates that happen after that early voting period or in the middle of that early voting period aren't going to matter because we're looking. This is Los Angeles County, a ton of people, but 1.2 million people 
voted, and eighty percent of that okay, okay, so was fi- early. So five hundred and fifty thousand people, roughly, in South Carolina mm-hmm. voted. Okay, one out of six of you voted. The out, out of three point three million people, they had we had over one hundred thousand people vote early. So that tells us this: twenty percent of the people who actually showed up to vote in the primary election in South Carolina voted early. Mm-hmm. Well, having worked on campaigns before, I can tell you right now, the, the, the shift happened in 2020 during the midst of COVID because that's where we actually saw campaigning change because there was early voting that was going on and, and I was working on a campaign in 2020 and it was, wait a minute, we don't have, in politics, there's called the October surprise. Yes, right. <laughs> where all of a sudden some massive yes, piece of something falls just weeks before the election right. and you don't have time to respond. Right. Well, then we realized, wait, wait, that's going to have to be in September. Right, now it's the September surprise. Right, yeah. be- because people were going to start voting early. Early voting is going to change our political landscape. There's still going to be plenty of people who go on election day. I went on election day to go vote. Sure. I knew I was going to be in town. I planned it that way. But... We're going to have a lot of people who are going to start showing up early to vote. Jamie Harrison, you can still do that at the next election. We <laughs> hope to see you in South Carolina. Maybe, maybe he votes Anyone. in a couple runoffs. Who maybe knows? you never know. You know, we what? should probably ask. Did you show up for the? Did you show up for? Ooh, the runoff? Maybe we'll mail him. Ah, uh, never mind. How? Oh. <laughs> so no, we the, do. Go we'll ahead, stop Patrick. there. And, and and the other thing I'll say, and, and I say this all the time, and you know, it's become kind of cliche. Don't bring your California to our Carolina. There's still three hundred over three hundred sixty thousand ballots still to be counted in LA County alone, and that's the ones they won't find later, right? And those are the ones that are in the warehouse and trust. Uh, you know, if if you want people to trust you, just say that it's in a warehouse somewhere, and we're still <laughs> we're efforting on I'm this. Good. Okay, I'm, I, I will believe Effort, everything. That's, you say. A, that's the new word. We're efforting. We're efforting. We're we're, we're still like working that. on it. That's so, um. Yeah, we're yeah. efforting it. Um, yeah. and be careful with that vernacular. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we have a couple runoffs coming up in South Carolina. Yeah. In one week, June 28th, is when you can vote in the runoffs again. I just want to make this very clear. Even if you didn't vote in the primary, you can vote in the runoffs. Now, if you did if, vote in the primary... If you did vote, you have to stick in the party that you, you voted, voted in. For. So if you voted in the Republican primary, you have to vote. You can, and we encourage you to vote in the Republican runoff mm-hmm. right. that will be happening right. on... And there's, there's several of those states. There's, right. so, there's, so there are two statewide runoffs that are happening that everyone can vote in. It, one of them is the Democratic nomination for the U.S. Senate seat uh, to face Tim Scott in November. Uh, you can vote in that one. Um, the biggest one statewide appears to be the state superintendent of education yeah, race yeah. between Ellen Weaver and Kathy Manis. That's that's the biggest one statewide and one that bears watching. But my gracious, there are plenty of state oh, yeah. house seats that are up for grabs in terms of the nominations right. for either party. There are four uh, that I'm aware of, uh, House District 30, 40, 48, and 106. If you live in Cherokee, Ori, Lexington, Newberry, or York County, pay attention. You can go to scvotes.org. Yes, you can, you can find out. I'm sorry, scvotes.gov, and you can find out if there – You can. by the way, if you don't want to go there, you can go to our website or our app, and you can link right over there, our social media. You can link right over to that page and find out. You can print a sample ballot or just look at it on your phone yep. to make sure you know who you're voting for before you actually get to the polls. Because here's the important thing. Don't be like Jamie Harrison. <laughs> if there's one thing you can take away from today, don't, don't be Jamie, be Harrison. Jamie Harrison. Listen, 
That's, you but, but, don't need uh, to spend $200 million just to be the head of the DNC because what a terrible investment that is. You don't even vote in your own party's primaries for about, governor of a state. Like, could your, you imagine? To steal your words earlier, talk about failing upward. Talk about failing yeah. upward, right? <laughs> don't be Jamie Harrison. I encourage you to vote. And again, all of this stuff that's happening, whether it's President Biden talking about it's not reckless spending or changing people's lives, or you might think Hillary's actually on your side saying people need to stay away from the transgenderism debate, or you've got people saying that taking, like, trying to ban assault weapons is like banning slavery, which, again, I'm just, my brain hurts when I hear some people talk. And my brain hurt when I saw that, I sent that to you guys. Yeah. Uh, when, yeah. when I'm like, you've got to be kidding me, the head of the DNC. I'm trying to imagine the state party chairman on either party not voting. I, can someone get Drew McKissick on the phone? Yeah. Somebody get Drew McKissick on the phone and tell me his response. I don't even know, does he know about oh, this? Oh, oh he knows out. about it. Yeah, yeah. Because... I just want to hear his initial response to the fact that the head of the national DNC didn't vote in the South Carolina primary. And Don't I'll, be like Jamie Harrison. I'll bet the head of the around. SC Democratic Party, Trap. I know Trap voted because he, voted. he walked into the polling place, ironically, at the same time as Governor and Mrs. McMaster oh, wow. walked in together. That was, I mean, you could see it's, it was posted it's everywhere. You know, here it is on Twitter. Trav Robertson walking in with Henry McMaster. Only in South Carolina can you have the head of the South Carolina Republican Party and the South Carolina Democratic Party yep. and the Republican governor walking into a polling place voting at the same, the same time. Place. And, and Trav was all happy to catch up with him. Sure. He kind of trotted himself up there. You know, if you're if you're listening to us right now on the fastest growing conservative podcast in South Carolina, and Ding. you are a Democrat. Please contact your, <laughs> your party DNC chairman. chairman and let him know. It's a good idea to vote. It early, is a good idea to vote. Early or, or, or in person. Not just not often. Or mail it in. <laughs> vote. Please, please vote. Again, what a what a wonderful what a wonderful world That's we live in. Where yeah, that is our cue. We gotta get out of here. What a wonderful world we live in that the Democratic Party chairman doesn't vote in the primary. Don't again, your one takeaway. Don't be Jamie Harrison. Vote in the primary. For Mitch Prosser, for Dave Wilson, for our entire team at Palmetto Family, this has been another edition of the fastest-growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina. Ding! The Palmetto Family Matters podcast. (laughs) We'll see you later this week. I need a bell.